and thank you for tuning into the Business and Wealth Show with your host, Matt Catrum. Let's go. And welcome again. And today we are talking all things wealth. We're talking business, business systems, and wealth. We're the flavor, we're the sprinkling, we're the essence of real estate. We are talking about financial freedom. We are talking about passive income. And I have none other than Matthew Pezon to really give us that inspiration and those golden nuggets. Matthew, welcome to the Business and Wealth Show. Mac, thanks so much for having me. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to make a plea out there to all of you. For those of you who are listening, remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, follow, because the more that you do that, the more the algorithms, the algorithms will say, hey, this is a popular thing. Let's get other people watching it. So please do us that favor so we can bring you more awesome people like Matthew here. Matthew, let's get straight into this and um, tell us about your entrepreneurial journey. How did you get started as an entrepreneur and why? What happened? Well, I didn't know that I wanted to be an entrepreneur always. Um, I actually went to school for chemical engineering and my fa- I'm the fourth generation engineer in my family. So wow. that's what I, I didn't know entrepreneurship was for me. I didn't know it was an option. So I, I started fresh and, and right out of engineering school, I got a job in 2010 for a large chemical company. And my boss at the time told me I was the worst employee he ever had and the company should fire me. And that was my initial shock moment because I had taken on $50,000 of debt to do this degree that was supposed to pay off. And um, I ended up in a role due to some company lottery type process and I wasn't a good fit for it. And that's when I knew I had to do something else. Um, I paid off my student loans and then I went back to do my master's. I did a Fulbright scholarship at IE Business School. It's an entrepreneurial school and it just opened my eyes to the possibilities. And I knew that I wanted to be an investor, a property owner, an entrepreneur, um, but I was still in Europe. I wasn't back in the States yet. And, at, and uh, I knew once I got back to the States, I would, I would start buying properties and launch my business. And I double-hatted for nine years after that in order to uh, build my business on the side while I worked full-time before I jumped into the, the full-time entrepreneur gig. So okay, um, yeah, that's it in a nutshell right there. <laughs> Great one. There. So where did you study in Europe? IE Business School, Madrid. In Madrid? Okay, so you can speak Spanish as well? I did the whole program in Spanish, actually. Every test, wow. negotiation, presentation, all in Spanish. See, well, well, well done you. Fantastic. <laughs> and you said when you started the business, it was a side hustle. You you had two hats on. And when, when did you make the transition into doing your uh, business full-time, your property, real estate, investing in business. The reason why I ask that, some people sit in these side hustles for years and never, ever jump ship. Right. So I did. I, I moved to full-time real estate entrepreneurship earlier this year, and I side hustled since 2014. Uh-huh. Since 2014. So, that's and, right. And let me give uh, people an idea of what kind of business you're um doing we, you're doing renovations you're doing um buy to hold properties yes. you've um you and your team have created uh, a portfolio of business over 25 million uh, us dollars and 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 you've got that stable and then this year jump ship well that's right and it's it's not a flipping like you know hgtv you know flip that house type that's not no. what this is um this is a long-term um operation of rental property 
families either need to buy or rent. They have to live somewhere. So we right. provide housing solutions to families that need to rent. And, uh, uh, but that's, that's what I did for 10 years was what buying one house at a time, finance, one, repair one house at a time, refinance and do it again over and over and over. And it's, it wasn't, it's not fun or a sexy business, but it, it, it fulfills a basic human need. Mm. And, uh, that's what we do. What of all the wealth creation strategies out there and what wealth creation vehicles, why real estate for you? Well, th there are many reasons, but I always liked that it's a physical asset. Mm. Um, it's not, I, I don't, I, I'm open that I'm not the smartest person in the room. And I just never understood a lot of these like stock options and crypto stuff. I never got it. I, it never clicked with me, but I understood that there's a physical house. I own a piece of land. I own a property and someone pays me rent for it. Very simple. And I'm just a simple person. So I, I understood that fact. Mm. And I started buying real estate because it's a tangible asset. I also like that you can put down um, a low uh, payment. You can finance the rest, but you get all the upside. So if the property goes up in value, you keep that. The bank doesn't get that. And you don't have to put down the whole value. Like if you buy a stock, you have to buy the whole stock. Yeah. Um, so, and, and there's, there's other reasons. I mean, the, the residents pay down the mortgage inflation happens. So the value goes up over time. There's just so many, so many reasons why I love real estate. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. As a real estate investor myself, having built multiple millions of um, real estate here in West London, I know exactly what you mean. And um, it's physical asset. It's tangible. It, it's going to appreciate at some point. And you, and our strategy has always been, my wife and I in, in that business is to, yeah, capital appreciation as well as monthly cash flow everything has to be that's positive right. cash flow and that's the strategy we've used now you said something fascinating earlier on which i want listeners to understand for more for more than 10 years you built up um you, you buy and hold buy and hold buy hold refinance go again go again you build up 200 you know, over 200 rental units it's right. giving you financial freedom financial independence fantastic but that 10 years you you you, you were doing two things and the reason why I say that, we could have listeners here, listen, if you have a business already, but you're looking for financial freedom, your business can create that for you over time. Maybe you can build out and sell it and use that, that, that cash to invest in other wealth creation vehicles. Or you can do what Matthew has done, whereby you stick with this principal thing you're doing and build something else on the side that may uh, give you that financial freedom that you're looking for. I just wanted to accentuate that because that's a great strategy. Often people say to me, Mac, I want this. Can I, should I cut this off totally and go after this? I said, it really depends on your risk appetite. Matthew, anything you want to say about that? Well, uh, th there's so much wisdom there. And um, in my particular case, the real estate is in many instances and even business it's driven by debt and you need to be able to borrow in order to to grow and so i could have bought one house over five years or i could have gotten mortgages and bought in 10 houses so um i i use leverage i worked a full-time job to get the financing to buy the real estate so right. until i had enough real estate where i didn't need the job i worked the job that means yeah. i was taking calls from sellers 
at the office. I was ducking in conference rooms, you know, I was, or I was taking in, you know, I was doing a lunch, you know, I was taking vacation days to buy real estate, to go visit properties. And it was very little time off. But now that I have the real estate assets, I could let go of the job safely and not need those assets for financing anymore. It was mm -hmm. out of necessity to grow the business. It was a catch-22. I didn't want to quit the job because then I couldn't get the financing. Right, right, right. So essentially what that says to me is that you were clear on your vision. You, you could see where you wanted to be. And you knew that maybe not having all these vacations now, maybe just focusing on what I, what, what I need the time to, to, get, to get to where I want to go is the best way to do it. And some people don't have that kind of mentality. They want that thing, but they're not willing to sacrifice or do whatever it takes to get that thing. <laughs> do you understand what right. I'm saying? Right. Or they'll get that thing and that's all they have. Right. And it's, they'll give up everything else or their future to get it. And um, yeah, no, I I've seen that. I, I took it to a little bit of an extreme where um, I was living in a friend's basement, um, you know, paying some really low rent to, and I was eating ramen, you know, to try to, you know, just doing things that weren't healthy to try to make it right. And I, I wouldn't recommend those things. There are, yeah. but I, I cut too much. Um, and I, I missed out on some opportunities, um, like socially and other things, but uh, I'm not saying take it to an extreme, but there is a level of discipline that's required. And you could probably speak to that with some of your martial arts experience and everything mm -hmm. you're doing just about the, in, in order to train, as a, as an artist, you have to not do other things. And I was able to see what I wanted and sacrifice along the way because I was clear on my goals. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, for those who maybe we've sparked an idea, maybe they're working in their business full time or they have a job and they're thinking, well, if Matthew can do it over a 10 year period, if I, if I project and create this vision and plan, and then create a, a go after a particular vehicle, whatever that is, and work at it. I can have that freedom too. What would be some key steps you would say? Whether it's three, four, five steps to say, okay, this is this is what I need to do in order to have that financial freedom, create the wealth that I really desire. Yep. Um, first things first. Um, getting if you're going to run and operate any business that will generate financial freedom and create wealth, it starts with the person. So, are you thinking like an entrepreneur? Are you? Are there other things, mental blocks that are getting in the way that would prevent you from achieving that success? And that's unique to the person. Next, uh, getting the personal financial situation of the individual correct. So for me, that was paying down debt. Um, and that was saving up cash so that I could buy houses and making sacrifices along the way. Um, credit is really important for the real estate business, both your personal credit and access to credit, but it's that way for any business. So after your mentality, get your personal financial situation in order. Mm. Along the way, be clear on what your personal investment philosophy is. Are you, what type of business do you want to be in? Are you more of a short-term uh, transactional business or a long-term holding business? Uh, what what type of where do you want to be as an investor and business owner? Um, so those three things are really the the foundation of of launching the business, um, and then really building the resiliency and grit along the way because it's not an immediate process. 
Mm. Um, and getting your systems and processes in place, your documentation, your policies, because there's no business without those. Um, I mean, those are just a few of the the, the items along the checklist. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you touch on a, a very important point there that re- your real estate thing you do, it is a business, right? Yes. Treat it as a business. Some people go into real estate and, oh, I'm going to buy this property. I'm going to buy that property. I'm buying, I'm investing in properties, but they don't realize that if you don't treat it as a business, then you can't replicate, you can't create consistency, you can't scale up. And so let's talk about that for a moment in terms of how do you, how do you grow and scale from a, a, a systems or process point of view, uh, any business? Well, that, that's a great question. And that's something that took me a while to learn. Um, the, the first step is being clear on what needs to happen. So you need to understand your business and you need to understand the different roles. You have sales, you have accounting, you have HR, you have all these different, you have marketing, you have all these different areas. So what needs to happen in those areas on a consistent basis to mm. generate revenue and then fulfill the promise to the customer? So once you know, then there are different types of scaling. So the first thing is documentation and writing it down. And that's for many entrepreneurs, that's a dirty word because they're an entrepreneur. They want to quit their job and go save the world and solve all the problems. Why do I have to write all this stuff down? (laughs) And I'm a process guy. I'm an engineer and I still struggle with it. So um, the first type of scaling is just the documentation and the training. Um, a part of that is the written document, but then another part is the, the videos and the how tos. So recording things like this, this is a how to, this is a video that could be turned into a procedure. Um, and there are AI tools that can, that can transcribe, um, note takers that can turn them into procedures that, that folks can use that even a couple of years ago didn't exist. Right. So, um, that's, that's just too, but, and then also your it systems, you need a central, we have a CRM, we use Salesforce. You need a central repository to track the sales funnel and Mm. be clear on your data because I found that I just had all these things all over the place. It wasn't centralized and I didn't know what was going on. I didn't, I didn't have good data. So after, after the documentation, the videos, you need, you need like a Salesforce or a CRM, you need technology, right? So those are just three of the, three of the things there's more, but those are the three that come to mind right off the top. Superb. Good, great, great point. Because, you know, systemizing and putting processes in place, you can use technology, plenty of technology to do that. I want to take a little divert now for those who are already involved, involved in real estate property and they're building that now. What are some, what are top five ways uh, of finding deals before anyone else gets them? You know, I'm talking about off market. I'm not talking about the where the general public goes in the UK, it's called Right Move, and um, we have up prime location. And you can go in there and you can see the, the the properties, and you can contact the agents. But you what you've been doing something clever for many years is getting deals off the market. Why do we want deals off the market? Because you can negotiate better deals, and when the mass market comes after it, obviously the price inflates. So what are some ways, top five ways of finding deals off market? Yeah, absolutely. And I should preface my answer with it. My answer is real estate specific, but the audience can find deals unique to their sector 
Mm. It, with using the same principles, it, it could you could be growing your customer base and really niching down to find the right people using marketing tools of, and, and things to really find people so that you don't have such a broad funnel. So what I'm about to say is is um, it can be applied um, generally. Um, uh, the principles are the same. So in real estate, um, we and it depends a little bit on the locale. Um, here we're able to see it's public information when so mortgages are filed publicly. So we can see when the mortgage lenders file uh, for non-payment because it's a public instrument. Um, and so that might not be the same around the world, but uh, generally it, it, it at least here in the states it is. Um, so we can see that we can also see who's behind on their taxes. We can see who owns a property but had a family member pass away because it's all recorded in the public record. And right. so we go and we mine that data and then we get out in front of those people. So what I just said is specific to real estate, but that could be, that could be any type of client really finding your, your key client. Who are you serving, niching down, finding them before anyone else. Um, and then we reach out to them with letters. Um, we also, um, we, I, I work with a vendor who pieces together over a hundred different sources of public data. And we find who's most likely using AI, who's most likely to sell then we we geofence and we we um, use like OTT type ads. We do direct targeted ads um, for for those folks. Um, we also do um, we we get referrals from other people that we know. Um, we work with wholesalers, other investors that are that have found properties that they can't buy for whatever reason. We'll buy them, um, mm -hmm. and you know we we do other other avenues as well. Not like cold calling or cold texting. We reach out to attorneys to do a state. Uh, type matters. Um, there's just a whole host of of ways to find find water shutoffs. I mean, it, it, all, all these different ways um, that we we reach out to those sellers. So you're saying just be creative, just see where who's got a problem in relation to maybe the services that I offer, right? And if they've got that problem, which which channel or what portal or watch what what area or what groups would they go to what institutions would they go to say i have this or it flags a problem that you can say ah, actually these these people are more likely to have the problem that i can fix i can help them with and the reason why i say that i remember years ago in my real estate property business i would advertise in different places and i would have people contact the office and we'll say i'm getting foreclosed i mean it's repossession here in the uk we don't really use the term foreclosed and then i would go and visit them ask them questions to find out what their real problem is and sometimes they will get really it's like next week repossession and right. so now the main problem is they don't have somewhere to live and if they do get repossessed adverse credit it's going to be a big issue for them so i would i remember going to the local uh, county court and filing papers with them just so they can stay for another month while we fix this issue. So one of the key principles, and I love what you said, is if you really want to succeed in business or in wealth, who has a problem that you can, you have the solution to? And the more people you can help in that way, the more money you can make, which is fantastic. Now, Matthew, talk about I don't know if it exists now, but many years ago, um, you would acquire a property. Obviously, you're working full time. You would then have that property. You would renovate it. You would add value to that property. 
and you will refinance it. And that refinance allows you to buy others. Talk about that process for those people thinking about um, getting into real estate property as well, because there's a key principle, regardless of where you are in the world, that that's still applies. Absolutely. So the process that you just described starts with finding a property where you can solve either a property problem or provide a solution to a seller. And to provide that service, you would purchase the property at a discount. So typically I was purchasing all in maybe uh, 30% below what the value of the property was when it was done. Mm. And here in the States, you can get a loan up to 80% of the value of the property. So that that 10% was if there were any overages or anything that um, there was enough buffer there. So if I'm all into it for 70 cents on the dollar and I can get a loan for 80 cents on the dollar, it, it was a good deal. So you find a good deal, you solve a problem, you provide a solution, but then you have to renovate the property. A lot of the sellers um, either don't have the capital to renovate it. It needs too much work for them. They just need to move fast. There's a divorce, someone passed away, and any type of situation, you can come in and solve the real estate problem, purchase the, the house at a discount because the seller can't or doesn't want to deal with that real estate problem, solve the problem, fix the property, and then you can get that bank loan for up to 80% of the value of the property, assuming it cash flows. Now, the model has shifted greatly as interest rates have climbed rapidly over the last 18 months, but um, that was the general model that I followed for about eight years. Mm, great, great. And I would great. refinance and get the money. I would get the money back out. When I would refinance, they would pay off the short-term lender. I would get anything that was left or just get my original money back and then mm. buy another house. Fantastic. Listen, I want to talk about people for a moment from a staffing point of view. Um, and what I want to say is, you know, owning over 200 units, rental units, it logistically can be a problem in terms of people taking care of that real estate. How do you find the right people, whether it's property managers or assistants or people who, you know, really good people who would do it as good as, well, no one's ever going to do it as good as you, but at least 80 to 90% good. How do you find real good people to work on your team? Well, I made a lot of mistakes. Okay. <laughs> so, so I I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, I um, I assumed naively that folks had the same level of standards as me, that they had the same level of motivation as me, that they understood things like I did, or that if I didn't know something that they knew, like a you know a contractor or a banker or something else, that um, all products were the same or vendors were the same, and it's just not true. Uh -huh. So I learned over the years um, to ask, I've, I've learned what separates the most successful vendors, property managers, insurance agents, bankers, whoever, from the ones that are not going to be as impactful for my business. Um, I've learned the top questions to ask in those areas. And then I ask them to measure if they are really going to be aligned. I, I've, so as an example, for property managers, I'll ask some kind of fluff questions, but then I'll ask the property managers, what is your economic occupancy last month? Okay. And if they're not measuring the economic occupancy last month, if they can't tell me, oh, well, let me pull up this report, it's not going to work. No. Because if they're not watching how much rent they're collecting on behalf, if they're not watching the sales that they're generating and 
tracking them on behalf of the owner and really taking ownership enough that they're measuring it and reporting on it. They're not, what else aren't they doing wrong? (laughs) Or or aren't they doing correctly? I should say, what else are they doing wrong? So, um, and I've just developed these by working with the wrong vendors so much. I've, I've learned what separates success and lack of success in all these areas. And I just know what to ask at this point. Fantastic. The, um, yeah, yeah. So you, you, through error and mistakes, you found a way and questions to ask to make sure you get um, the, the good people. Tell me something just came to my mind. In business, we have to sell, we have to negotiate. And whoever's negotiating well is either saving money or making a lot of more money. Do you have any key negotiation tactics or tips for our listeners over here? Oh man. I mean, I negotiation is everything. And, um, so some of the things, and I've negotiated all those houses myself and just going to meet building the relationship so I can share what I've learned over the last 10 years. Um, I am not a high pressure sales guy and I like to really get at the root of what the customer is experiencing and what their pain point is, mm-hmm. and then point out how my product or service solves their situation. Um, if I'm delivering bad news, I like to use, I like to let, I like to let the person know in advance, Hey, this is going to sound like a really low offer, or I, I, this is going to sound like a difficult situation, what I'm about to propose and just kind of right. break the ice a little bit. Um, I try to be transparent and firm, but fair with the sellers and, I just let them know I'm here to provide a service or a product and um, here's what I can do for you. And I help them see the value because people don't like to be sold, but they do like to buy. And so, or they need to, but they, they need that trust. They need to feel like you are a trustworthy person, that they like you, yeah. um, that they want to do business with you. And I, I just, I try to be likable, nice and help them see the value in what I provide. Yeah, because it can't be an easy conversation uh, in a sense that no. they thinking they want this price. That's what they want in the open market. You come along and say, hey, look, I know it's value. I know it, it will go for 500000 but I'm going to give you 350000 right? I'm willing to give you three. Now, it's like, well, where's the 150000 going? But you're saying that get them to build trust, first of all, build rapport. Yes give them the reason why you're offering them at this price. So often it's going to be speed of movement, convenience, you know, they need that, they need that house sold now and you can buy it quickly. You can buy it for cash if need be. That's the kind of thing you're talking about, right? Well, that's right. And I help them understand. And I also help them understand what happens if they don't, uh, they don't accept my product and service. So, okay. So that $500,000 or pound, uh, house. Well, it need your current, your home right now needs a lot of work. Are, are you prepared to manage the contractors and do that work? And, and, or, um, who, who's, who are you planning to have pay for this work? Um, meanwhile, I know that that seller is behind on their mortgage. So the answer is no one, and they can't do the work. So I come, I come along and I say, I will do that work for you. I will resolve this mortgage situation for you. I'll buy the home to put cash in your pocket. And then you can remain in your home. You don't have to worry about the big bad bank anymore. We can even mm. do repairs for you and you can rent below market. How does that sound to you? 
Right. And, and so I help them understand the value, but also what happens if you don't? So do you want to lose, are you're going to lose the house? Where are you going to go? Like, just like as a, as a, you don't know me that well, yeah, yeah. but just what is your plan? Right. So that's, that's I, how I approach it with the sellers. You know, firsthand, I, I did the same for years and years and years. So I, I get it. I understand it. You know, I'm not in, in that game anymore because we build apartments and we build houses now. And so, but I, I know what you're saying is, is truth is the fact. And, and if you get them to trust you, get them to see their situation with you, get them to see their situation without you, then they make a, a, a decision. Listen, um, for those who want to learn more from you, they, they, they think, well, this Matthew talks a lot of sense. So I'd love to study real estate or study what he has. What's the best way for them to connect with you? Sure. They can connect with me at my website, peasonproperties.com. Um, I don't have coaching services or a book or anything like that to, to sell, but I'm happy to connect with anyone who wants to learn more about real estate and, and just talk real estate. It's, it's my passion. <laughs> Fantastic. So that's peasonproperties.com, right? That's right. Uh, we'll add it to the footnotes here as well. And for those who are listening, I'm going to come back to you, Matthew, for your last words in case there's something I should have asked. I haven't asked. I'm sure you can throw it in. But those who are listening in, remember to like, remember to comment, remember to follow, remember to subscribe. And also because, you know, the algorithms loves all these kind of stuff, as I said. So the um, so we can bring you more awesome people like Matthew here. So do that. And also let us know what you thought by making comments here. Matthew, over to you. Any last words you want to share before we start wrapping up here? Well, I would just say that um, I would go back to all the mistakes that I made and um, making mistakes is um, it's what you do with the knowledge that you gain. And so I've really doubled down on our systems and processes, and that's how we've been able to scale because uh, I was able to turn problems and mistakes into organizational knowledge mm. by recording it and providing the information in a way where it's accessible to the team and they can tap into that knowledge. So I would encourage all the entrepreneurs listening that um, to scale and grow, you, you need to record things, write it down and build, build your systems, use technology. That's the way forward. Awesome. And, and also in regards to that, for those who uh, struggle with that, would you suggest they get some kind of mentor or coach, someone to advise them and support them? Um, they, they can absolutely do that. And, um, there's a lot of things I, I had a lot of mentors starting out and I still have many mentors and they've shifted a little bit over time as the business has grown, but that community of individuals that cares about you, that coach, someone that really cares can help drive you forward, motivate you and provide tools. And then on the implementation side, uh, using virtual assistants and folks that can help you really create the documents procedures using AI getting the work done um, is uh, that's where the rubber meets the road. And, and you can implement a lot of those tools to get the scaling done. Fantastic. Great answers. Listen, it's been a great pleasure speaking with you here, Matthew. Thank you for all the gold nuggets, the uh, all the information you gave. Now, remember to catch up with Matthew at pizonproperties.com. Uh, we'll share it on the footnotes here. Um, thank you again, Matthew. I really appreciate your time and energy here. It's been a pleasure, Mac. Thank you. You are most welcome. You are most welcome. Listen, thank you all. And until we speak again, remember to share, remember to comment, really appreciate that. 
And remember to continue building your business and build your wealth. You're building your wealth and your financial freedom, not necessarily for you, but for the people around you, your family, your children, your spouse, and have the life, enjoy the life that you truly, truly deserve. Until we speak again, bye for now. Take care. <music>